when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And yeah, that easterly wind that um, is mentioned there in our weather forecast, it is biting. It would go through you. So wrap up warm if you are heading out uh, today. And Met Air and they're continuing with their status yellow weather warning. It remains in place until Saturday. And of course, the status yellow weather warning means there's a risk of showers of hail, sleet and even snow. And they are predicting widespread heavy rain for today. But mixed in with it is going to be sleet or even snow and they say the snow this is Met Aaron say the snow is likely to be heaviest here in Munster and in parts of South Leinster and some areas could have significant accumulations but when you dig down a little bit into it they say the snow would be predominantly confined to higher ground but there is the risk of some inland areas are also going to be uh, affected but mainly today there is a band of wet weather coming in and with that could bring some sleet and snow throughout the day and the worry there is then as we head into tonight if we get a lot of rain and if we get a lot of snow on higher ground and then overnight we're looking at at temperatures between minus 2 and minus 5 degrees that could make for some tricky driving conditions and slippy conditions tomorrow morning so um who knows the temperatures they, they might be slightly wrong they might go up uh, during the night but as it stands it looks like it is going to be a bitterly cold night on top of a very wet and at times snowy and uh, sleety day so drive with care particularly uh, tomorrow morning and be careful when you're out there today even because there's still a lot of slush has accumulated around the place and I suppose while we're complaining about temperatures here of minus two to minus five degrees uh, overnight let's think of our family and friends in America there's a huge chunk of the United States are gripped by what has been described as brutally cold weather but it's the wind chill that is making it feel even colder. They're getting a blast of Arctic air and it's moved across the Midwest and into the eastern states of the United States. It's prompted residents and warnings for residents to stay indoors. Temperatures in some parts, particularly around the Great Lakes, yesterday went as low as minus 41 degrees. That was in Minnesota. It was minus 35 degrees in Fargo in North Dakota. And they are saying today that the coldest and with the wind chills, they could have further 
falls, particularly Minnesota. They're saying it could go as low as minus 48 degrees Celsius. I mean, that's just crazy. And warning of things like frostbite. They've already had at least five deaths relating to cold weather have been reported over the weekend. So, you know, while we're complaining about minus two and minus five, let's think of them in America and we would never want for conditions like that. Now, coming up on the programme uh, today, we are going to get further reaction to yesterday's nurses' strike, the first of the nurses' strikes. The first of six days is what the IMO have pencilled in at the moment. And yesterday, this time yesterday, we were talking about the nurses out on the picket line on what was a bitterly cold day, probably the first, the really the, the coldest day, I think, for the, since we started the new year because we haven't been we've been talking about this wonderful mild winter that we've been having so they had a bitterly cold day for the nurses to get out on the picket line and the, the weather certainly did not discourage they reckon about 35,000 nurses took to the picket lines outside all of the hospitals and primary care centres yesterday they got a huge amount of support from members of the public and I imagine that that just added to the resolve of the nurses I know locally we had some nurses on who were picketing in Mal Although they were talking about local businesses um, coming out and supporting them and that was reflected all over the country. There was members of the public coming along with homemade buns for them. Coffee shops were supplying coffees or lunches being supplied and any radio or TV report you saw from outside a hospital you would constantly hear uh, the beeping of car horns with people showing the support, members of the public showing their support to the striking uh, nurses and all of the nurses sending out the same message. They didn't want to be out there on the, the picket line. Also saying that their industrial action is not simply about a pay increase, but they also want recognition about the highly skilled work that they do. They also want it highlighted the pressure that they are under. There's staff shortages. Nurses are moving abroad. They want the restoration of the 12.5% pay uh, cut. And that's where the 12.5% pay increase is what the government is seeing it. But as a number of nurses pointed out to us yesterday, saying, please, would you emphasise this isn't a pay increase. We just want pay restoration. And they want to try to, they're hoping that if the nurses get better pay, that it might get some of the nurses that are overseas, it might get them to return home. And yesterday, about 25,000 patients were affected. Many of them, let's be honest, very vulnerable patients. And if we look ahead to next week, the INMO say if nothing happens, then they will be back out on the picket line on Tuesday and again on Thursday. So that will mean 25,000 patients will be affected on both days next week. So we'll have 50,000 to add to the 25,000 who were affected yesterday. These are people who will have will have outpatient appointments cancelled. There are also people, about 2,000 I think for yesterday, had procedures some of those people would have been waiting you know in some cases years for the procedures they would also have been cancelled I know some home care services uh, were cancelled as well and I saw a tweet from I don't know if it was from the HSC or from one of the hospitals saying to people who had appointments cancelled yesterday please don't start ringing the hospitals today because they don't want an avalanche of calls from people ringing to say well when are you going to give me my new appointment you can understand why people might be on the phones today saying when am I getting my new appointment but my fear is that that 25,000 if it gets added to the 50,000 this time next week we'll be looking at 75,000 people will have had procedures and outpatients appointments cancelled who will then need to go back into the system again 
and it's just going to further delay people who haven't yet received uh, an appointment. It will also be in. I will also be interested to see how the A and E departments get on today, because there was constant warnings yesterday to people to please do not attend your ED department unless it's absolutely necessary. And you know there will have been people who probably needed to go to the A and E yesterday, but bit held off because they were fearful of what kind of delays that they would be facing. So you'd worry, will they get dangerously overcrowded today in wake uh, in the wake of yesterday's strike? Only time uh, will tell. Uh, and, uh, you know, I did mention and we spoke about it yesterday, there was a lot of so certainly there was a lot of support and I think it goes back to the fact that we all either know a nurse or we have a family member who's a nurse we all know how dedicated they are we all know how hard they work and, and that would tie in with why there was so much support yesterday but I wonder I really wonder the longer this strike goes on because it really looks like the government are not for moving on it I can also see it from the other side I can see it from the d- government side that if they pay the 12.5% to the nurses you're going to have a slew of other trade unions and other public service workers saying okay you've given it to the nurses you've got to give it to us I think people are very aware of Brexit nobody knows what's going to happen uh, in this country but people are very nervous about budgets in this country going forward so can we really afford to give this money to the nurses regardless of how we feel about them are, you know, the respect that we have for them. If we, if the government can't afford to pay them, they simply can't afford to pay them. And I know the INMO and Phil Nihay, the General Secretary of the INMO, she's constantly coming out saying there are ways that the HSE and the Department of Health can, sa- can save money. Like she talks about the HSE are overspending on staff. And one thing they cite is the amount of money that is spent every week on agency nurses. Now, according to the INMO, the HSE spend two million a week on agency nurses. Two million a week. That's over 100 million a year just on agency nurses and the, so the the what the INMO are saying is and their logic is if you push up nurses pay they reckon then it would mean that more candidates would become available to fill vacancies without having to resort to the agencies now I don't know if that is the case I mean are the majority of nurses going overseas because they feel the pay is better in other countries. We looked at uh, we looked at some figures yesterday which showed that certainly for the nurses that are going over to England, there isn't, if anything, the Irish pay is better than the English pay. I saw we were on parity with Australia when it comes to the pay of nurses, even though when you speak to nurses in Australia, they say no, that the pay is higher. I wonder the nurses that leave Ireland to go abroad, I don't know, is it always the case that it's pay? I'd love evidence to show that if you did increase nurses' pay that a huge number of these nurses would uh, would come back because if they don't come back then we're going to have to continue to resort to using uh, age agencies but it's just it's an incredible amount of money that's paid out on agencies and remember agency staff cost more because they're paid between 20% and 44% more in some cases so they're there's an added cost to the HSE to use uh, agency nurses. Anyway, your thoughts welcomed this morning, 1850 333 103. Also going to bring you more um, 
commentary that we've in on learner uh, drivers. We'll get to that throughout the course of the programme. I want to discuss rogue traders on the programme today. And this is to do with the story you may have heard about. I know we were running it on our news and you may have seen it on social media and in some of the papers. A rogue trade, I don't know if it was one trader or traders, called to an elderly lady in the West Cork area and duped her into buying these power tools. Now, there is no way this woman would have needed even one of these power tools, let alone the amount of power tools that were sold to her. There was a substantial sum of money exchanged hands. So we want to talk about it. We want to make people aware of it, highlight it, so that in the hope that in the future we can get these crimes to end. And also I think it's important that we highlight it because while this is a case this is one woman's case that the Gardaí in West Cork are highlighting. You can be guaranteed that there are other people have been duped and who may never have reported it to Angarda Síochána may never have told even any of their family members out of embarrassment. People would get embarrassed to think that they could have got duped uh, by one of these criminals calling to their their door and selling them something. And they have nothing to be embarrassed uh, about. But we need those people to come forward. These criminals, these rogue traders need to be caught. They need to be before the courts and they need to be locked up in uh, jail. So we'll talk about that. We're also going to give words of advice on dog attacks on sheep. We're coming into the lambing season, most important time for our sheep farmers. And sadly and unfortunately already around the country, there has been some horrific attacks on sheep. So I suppose our message today is going to be to dog owners. Do you know where your dogs are at any one time? If you leave your dog out, has your dog gone out this morning? Does he disappear for an hour or two? Do you leave him out at night? Does he disappear for an hour or two? We need to know at all times where our dogs are. So we'll talk about that. Jane Pickett will join us staying on the animal theme from the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in your market answering all of your pet questions so if you've got a pet question you can get that into us uh, throughout the morning and a member of Angarda Siakona will join us with, for this week's Crime File John Paul will take the calls 1850 333 103 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and you can email patricia at c103.ie This is the Court Today replay on C103 just on the weather Mary says hi Patricia I'm just travelling near Mitchellstown at the moment and even though it's pouring rain at the moment the snow is still on the fields the rain is so cold it's not melting the snow stay warm says Mary and safe travelling uh, everyone thank you for that Mary and stay safe yourself and when I was talking earlier about the conditions in America going into the minus 40 degrees one area yesterday Minnesota minus 48 degrees with the wind chill. Texter says, my son was watching on the news last night about the cold weather in America and he says it's like the film The Day After Tomorrow if anyone has ever seen it. I haven't but it's probably one of those disaster movies The Day After Tomorrow but that's what it looks like is happening uh, stateside. Okay, some of your commentary coming in on uh, nurses. Eddie from Mahan says, Patricia, here's an email I sent to Leo Varadkar's office yesterday. I wrote to him saying Leo said it would be unfair to the taxpayer to give the nurses a pay rise yet you, Leo, and the other TDs took a pay rise out of taxpayers' money. Is that not all coming out of the same pot? And that's from Eddie in Mahan who emailed that 
Well done. He emailed that to Leo yesterday. Could um, Eddie, would you let us know when you get a response from Leo? I would be terribly interested to hear the response from Leo on that. Eileen and Mahan said, how can the government can, oh, it's the same thing, pay rise for themselves and not for the nurses? There seems to be no limitations on how much the government can pay themselves. Joanne and Mallow, what annoyed me yesterday was the, on the, with, the with, with the nurses strike was all of the political parties that came out standing with the nurses. They visit the nurses striking, showing their support. But to me, it was all done because there's a local election and European elections looming. There have been strikes before and you don't see that kind of support. Yet yesterday, uh, Joanne noticed locally that uh, councillors were out on the picket line. She also saw it on various people's social media. You know, here I am out supporting the nurses. But she's wondering, had that anything to do with trying to get votes later on more than anything else? John in Bandon said, fair play to the nurses. It's good that they seem to have a very strong union behind them and a strong union that's able to stand up for them. But... If nurses do get this extra pay of 12.5%, all of those motorists that I saw yesterday outside Cork University Hospital beeping their support for the nurses, will those nurses, will those drivers be okay? Because they will be the ones who will have to pay extra taxes because extra money will have to be raised to pay for the nurses to get that increase. The government have made it very clear they don't have the extra money to pay the nurses. So it'll be extra taxation to pay the nurses. Some of your texts coming in, Patricia, on the nurses picket. The problem is this little country and the politicians of the country robbed with big pensions and expenses for themselves and advisors. They get they can't pay the workers, but they seem to be well able to pay their own spin doctors. John in Clonakilty. Thank you, John, for putting your name in your text. Says Patricia on the nurses' strike. The nurses are on the front line. They see and know what's happening in the health service. Their strike is overpay. They want 12.5%. They are the most dedicated profession in the public service. 12-hour days, weekends, bank holidays, Christmas Day, you name it. Leo, Pascal and indeed you, Patricia and me will one day need their services. Get them around the table, please, and get it sorted out. And that's from John in Clonakilty. And when and nurses do work 12-hour days and if you talk to any nurses, there's very few of them when they're rostered on for a 12-hour day will do just a 12-hour day. Many of them get in early so that they can be organised and ready to go as soon as their shift starts. But it's getting away at the end of the shift always seems to prove problematic. Most nurses will tell you that the 12-hour shift will go to 13, 13 and a half, even a 14-hour day, of which they only get paid for the 12 hours that they actually uh, work. Some of your emails in to us, to Patricia at c103.ie. DJ says it's more... What's more important than pay is patient numbers. Ireland, in some wards, it can be 12 patients to one nurse, whereas in Australia, it's strictly four patients to one nurse. The working conditions are not safe in this uh, country. Uh, And actually, we're hearing so much about Australia. I know John Paul is working on this. We're trying to get a Cork-based nurse who has made the move has gone to Australia to talk to us about what are the differences. What was it like to work in a hospital here in Cork? What prompted the nurse to decide, I've had enough, I'm going to Australia, outside of the weather. Um, And then what's the difference? 
if you if you've been working in a, ho- a busy hospital here in Cork and you're now working in a busy hospital in Australia, I want to compare and contrast, and I think it'll give us a good indication as to why we're losing so many of our nurses to uh, Australia. Texter says, nurses seem to be well paid. That came up on your programme yesterday, Patricia. One nurse, though, was giving out, well, there was a couple of nurses giving out that so much is taken out of their wages. One nurse, for example, gave the example that she has a gross pay of €50,000, which she accepts was a good wage for last year. But out of that 50000 20000 was taken between pension contributions, taxes, levies, USE. Anyway, and a few other people backed up that and said, yeah, it's the amount that you actually take home at the end of the day that nurses have an issue with. Texter says, does that nurse or those other nurses uh, not know that that money is taken from all of us? How much per hour are nurses getting, including perks? Why does that nurse do overtime? Give those hours to another nurse. Housewives and farmers are on duty 24-7. Their pay? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Email to Patricia at c103.ie says when the economic crash happened in 2009 wasn't it generally agreed that the reason for the mess Ireland found itself in was because of the rates of pay being paid to civil servants. Why are we now going back to that again? There is no comparison in the pay in the private sector. Why is that? Why can't the public servants be satisfied with pay rates um, and be satisfied with pay rates that in many cases are well on par with the private sector, if not more? They also have job security, which you certainly don't have in the private sector. Why are the nurses looking to be on par with physiotherapists keep seeming to to be mentioned they want to be on the same rate as other health professionals when they never were before. And then a final one says where I work if I am one minute late I get docked 15 minutes pay. I also had my Christmas bonus docked why do you have your Christmas bonus docked? And as for nurses if they were dedicated they would forget about pay. I had a nurse, for example, ring my house on New Year's Eve when she didn't have to, but she did. She's a good nurse. She rang about my one of my parents. And I guess and no, she got no pay for doing that. So I believe that's dedication. That's what nurses are about. If nurses are dedicated to patients only, pay would not be on their mind. Wait until the day comes and they're sick themselves. They say nurses should be They say nurses don't want to be picketing and they want to be on the wards then tell them to please get back on the wards. Also, uh, Patricia, what about carers? They get around €200 a week and they're expected to survive on that. And yet we're hearing from nurses on your programme saying their gross pay is 50000 of which they take home uh, 30000 a year. Yet they say they can't live on those wages. What is wrong with these people? 1850-333-103. Some of the commentary coming in on yesterday's uh, strike. Uh, Keep it coming. We're going to take a break and we are back talking about the rogue traders and in particular the rogue trader that duped an elderly lady in West Cork. Cork today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Gardaí in West Cork have issued a warning on the activities of so-called cold callers after it came to light that an elderly woman in the Bantry area was duped by a rogue trader into handing over a substantial amount of money for tools she didn't need including 12 
Chainsaws. Well known advocate for older people, Paddy O'Brien, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Paddy. Ooh, wrong button press. Good morning to you, Paddy. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're very welcome to the programme. Now, this, this poor lady had no use for these power tools. Can you understand why she was, I suppose, intimidated into handing over that's all it. this money? That's it. I mean, I, I, quite honestly, when I heard it first earlier in the week, was it Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday or Tuesday evening, I thought, uh, what's all, what, what is happening here? But um, I, I would say that they were continuously called to her and um, now this is my own personal uh, yeah. observation about the, the problem. Is that they're quite possibly have threatened her, or they may have said, "Look, if you don't buy this, they can do something to a son or a daughter or a relation or something, and under stress." Um, and she wrote checks, and she gave she gave them cash. But I believe the guardians have um, have recovered the the checks. Now it's an appalling situation. But what I'm concerned about while all this is going on. We have thousands and thousands of elderly people um, <clears throat> li- 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 living in, r- in rural Ireland and cities, well, of course, yeah, who when they hear this, they're scared of their lives. And I'm going to speak directly to them and say, no, don't be nervous, don't be nervous. This is an isolated case, right? Yeah. But you yourself, as an elderly person, you have a very important role to play. Don't open the door. That's a director from the guardie as well. But if you do open the door, a total stranger, no conversation whatsoever. No conversation. Close the door. And if at all possible, get the registration number. Secondly, neighbours have a very, very important role to play. Um, if they see a stranger knocking at a person's door, go into a person's door, at a person's house or other, or a, a car parked outside, take the number, and the guards will only be too delighted. The guards cannot. But a guard outside every elderly person's house. We all, as, as a community, have, a, have a, 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 a role to play here. Again, I would say to the elderly people, especially the, the housebound, I would say no conversation whatsoever because these people, a lot of elderly people, from my own experience, so through the years, they said to me, Paddy, but he was very well dressed or she was very well dressed. No. They're so trusting, Paddy, that's the they problem. Are, and and these criminals, right. they target those older people oh, because yes. they know oh, yes. that a younger person is just going to run them from the door. You see, what they do, Patricia, is this, this, I've seen the, I've seen some of the um, the flyers, um, whether it's gardening, wash the windows, wash on the drive, uh, cut the grass, cut the hedge. They have lovely flyers, a name, of course, an address, of course, and a telephone number. But they're false. They're all yeah. False. It can look quite professional on the flyer. Yeah, exactly. So but it's easy to get those flyers printed up, isn't quite it? Quite easily, quite easily, and quite honestly, I hope I'm not going too far with this. No, but I think, in association with the Gardaí, I think with printers, with printers. That if a person comes off and, and the, 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 the person uh, ordering these uh, flyers is a total stranger to the printer as well, the printer should ensure that the guardie are told about Johnny Murphy is such a person. Yeah, I think that's what definitely, that would help the situation as well. And I, I think that, um, they, they see, they're so persuasive. And um, elderly people, they love the love the chat, love the chat at all. But I would say directly to older people, again, this and that, uh, uh, talking to people, ignoring them, don't have any conversation. But if you do, if you do, if you if you're weak enough on the day, on the other occasion, to say okay, to grass, whatever it was, money, don't ever make any arrangement unless a son or daughter or a grandchild or someone is with you. Always so if sure. if you oh. feel that you want to employ this person to cut your grass, ask them to call back at exactly. a time, a time and a date when you will have somebody with you. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And 
And another thing I would say as well, I'm speaking now about remote parts of the country. It's very important that every person or people in the house should look at this, this situation, how the locks are on the door. Is the back door always locked? Because these people that have Johnny knocking at the front door, speaking to the elderly person, while their friend is at the back door, make sure that your back door has a proper a lock, a proper working, working lock the whole time. What's very important as well for people to use a sensor light. Now, having a sensor light and having an alarm in your house is like having another person in the house. Mm-hmm. I know it myself. A sensor light, and they're so sensitive, even if a cat passed, the light would go on. Nobody would try and break into your house at night or do anything in, in broad daylight. That's what happens when the light would come on. But what happens, what happens to these people is that they're called to a house and the person says, no, 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 no. And the person might say, what, what's your name, by the way? And Mrs. Murphy. They go off down the street or down the road, down the park or the estate, and they would say to this lady then, look, we were off with Mrs. Murphy. She's actually going to hire us next week. I know, that's the it's, famous it's, one that they yeah, use. It's, yeah, it's sad, yeah. I know And a, ch- a chain on the door, Paddy. Always have yes, the chain on. Important. And yeah. can I say something else, please, to, is that it's important. I, I talk about a sensor light. Inquire about your local community about sensor light. They're quite reasonable. Uh, and a, a full alarm. But you can also have the personal alarm. And I think if something happens, if a person comes to your door, you should press the alarm button. Mm. And just say to the operator, I'm nervous. And then it's the guard I think so. I mean, you got those. They're even supplied by the, the, the state, by the government. And I think people should make, make use of those. But in the meantime, I want to say to people, don't be scared that, uh, you know, I hate going on, I don't hate going on, but um, I, I, I don't want to upset anyone. I know, you don't want to make people nervous, but yet we need to talk about it. We need to get you the message to, out to, that to, unfortunately yeah. there are unscrupulous people out there. They will target the elderly. They will try and get their money uh, from them, trying to sell them. I mean, I, 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 I always go so far as to say to people, Paddy, never buy something from the door. If somebody no, comes never, to your door never, never. saying, not interested, close the door. You don't have to, you, you know, you can be rude if you want to. You don't know these people exactly. if you need to buy something then you go to a local shop and a local business that's where you've got where there's, advice, b- where there's backup absolutely. if something goes wrong with this that's very very good no purchases no purchases whatsoever go to your local store and as well as that apart from the danger that they're, they're, these people are corrupt is that if you buy something that's at the door there's no warranty you can, yeah. uh, in a breakdown yeah. situation you can't do you can't do a thing about it and um, you see, pe- uh, the people listening to your programme this morning, from Castletown Bales down to Clan Melkin, must say, learn something. We must learn something from what these people to this lady. They won't stop at anything. And if you read it in a book or saw it in a film, that these corrupt people approached these, um, this elderly lady and sold them chainsaws and generators. They won't stop at anything to get money. Yeah. They wouldn't stop. And they were obviously so convincing. And I would love to hear the story from the lady herself. I know. Why I know. and how. What, what, what she's, she's embarrassed as well, though, Paddy. Well, and she's frightened course, and yeah. intimidated. And also, I am convinced, and, and I know the Gardaí have put the message out as well, there are other people that have been duped, maybe by the same rogue trader, maybe by other rogue yeah. traders, too embarrassed to come forward because they know and they need to come forward. We need to get as much information and detail to stop these. They're criminals. Uh, um, They are. They are. Exactly. That's what they are. And the thing is this, is that uh, if we want to stop this, and I use an expression at the very beginning, we all have a role to play. The people who have been fooled already and have been used already uh, by these people, 
Um, if you go to the Gardaí, people are afraid that it's going to be on 103 or it's going to be on it's the examiner. No, it's it won't or on the Vale Star. It won't. Just go to the Gardaí. Look, this happened to me a month ago. And the guard, the, I mean, the guards can't solve the problem Unless they know about it. Unless they the proper information, Patricia, you know. Okay, and we've got a, had a, the first kind of really cold spell of the year, uh, Paddy. Keep an eye on our elderly yeah. neighbours and friends. Well, it, it, it's very, very cold, very, very cold. And I would say, speak directly to the elderly people and I would say, keep warm. My mother, years ago, my mother, she was nearly 19, she said, mind the, look after your health, the mind the grandeur. Now, <laughs> around the house, wear a nice coat, keep warm around the house, put on headgear. Have hot drinks, avoid alcohol. Number one is walk around to generate heat in your own body and where you require far more heat when you're in bed at night. And I said this in another programme during the week. Uh, when you're in bed at night, if you haven't had enough of blankets, throw a coat over yourself or an overcoat over yourself or something and even around the house during the day. Yeah, wear I, yeah. some I, form of headgear like a tea cozy or yeah, something. Yeah, a hat. You put, a, put a hat put on, tea, you. And what I would say, before you put the teacos in your head, get rid of the teapot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, and before we let you go, uh, you've got a North Cork heat of the over 60s in, in Kilbrin. I'm in my 43rd year. Oh, my God. And I, I want to thank you, 103, for promoting it for many, many years. I won't say how many, but we, very, and we, I appreciate that. Now, I'm launching next week in Kilbrin, and I, I want to thank sincerely Tom Reardon, the chairperson of the association down there, and Claire Bottomer, the manager of the social centre. And we have a great heat on March the 29th, on a Friday night. Now, it's open to everybody in North Cork. Okay. I'm not confined to singing. If you can sing, dance, or play an instrument, or tell funny stories, you're welcome to attend and you can con- they can contact Claire Bottomer at the um, uh, Kilbrin Inn. Kilbrin, you, you, do you know Kilbrin? I do, I do, I know it well, yeah. Yeah, well, I, it was my first time going there two years ago Yeah. and I was so impressed and I have spoken so many times about it and at the final last year I spoke about Kilbrin, my first time there. There isn't a garage there, there's no girl there, no. there's no chemist there, there's no shop there but what happened there? A great Irish welcome for you. The yeah. big open hearts and that one they the have an amazing community spirit yeah yeah, in have, yeah. yeah it's fantastic the lovely people down there and one of the one of the best heats we had last year there before the people sat around they were all talking they had the, we had the cups of tea what have you and I said I can't believe it like people are prepared to drive miles and miles and miles for a bottle of milk and a loaf of bread lovely people down there right lovely down. people right I'm looking forward to going down on the twin on um, Twenty ninth of March, and we'll launch it next week. But in the meantime, anyone who wants to get involved can contact Claire Bottomer at the club at the social centre themselves. Okay, listen, enjoy another season, forty third year. It's incredible. Uh, It's our pleasure, and we will talk again, uh, Paddy. In the meantime, stay warm and look after yourself as well. Yeah, and uh, thanks, thanks a million. Bye bye, bye bye. Uh, He's a wonderful gentleman. That is uh, Paddy O'Brien, and a fantastic advocate uh, for older people. He really is. Paddy and Skibberine was on to say he received a scam call this morning from the guy claiming to be from AIR. Uh, Paddy asked him straight out, is this a scam? <laughs> Guess what? The guy at the other end of the phone hung up. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103. 
The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So, if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Johnny McCroom WhatsApping says, Well, Patricia, instead of sliding into work today, I'm swimming. What a change in the weather. Yeah, the forecast for tonight is proving that you could be sliding back into work tomorrow. Uh, so drive with extreme uh, care. And the weather is to get better. We've got this cold snap up until about Saturday. I think this status yellow weather warning is in place and then it's to start to get milder again. And I'm, I'm quite happy about that because this day next week, I'll be travelling to Skibbereen. I'm taking part in a Women in Agriculture forum. I was involved in something similar. It's organised by the Skibbereen and Bandon uh, Credit Union. And now it's it's a basically an, a, a night where we deal with things like uh, stress. We're also going to deal with collaborative farming initiatives and also getting advice from a solicitor on making a will and talking about succession and all of that. We It's highlighted as Women in Agriculture. A couple of men turned up the last time. They're more than welcome uh, to to join us on the night but basically the three speakers will speak on um, like Fnula Colgan talks for Mental Health Ireland on managing your stress and then there'll be a Chagas advisor talking about collaborative farming initiatives and then there's a solicitor who talks about the making a will and, and succession planning and all of that something we all need to do and have a tendency to oh yeah that's something I'll get to that's something I'll get to we really and so only when you hear a solicitor outline why you need to do it you come away thinking yeah I really need to do that and then the second half of the Women in Agriculture Forum is made up of a panel discussion that I'll host and we basically have three very strong women in agriculture who'll join me and we'll talk about a whole host of uh, different issues and on the panel this time around will be Valerie Kingston of Clenellan, uh, Marguerite uh, Crowley from Bonalon and Maura McCarthy who joined us actually the last time. She's she's quite a strong, strong story uh, to tell and she's one of those great women in agriculture that you kind of, you think agriculture is safe when we have got strong women like that in in the background because I do feel that women play a much bigger role in the background than I think we have a tendency to see certainly through the media it always seems to be men are talking about agriculture you know but behind every good man is a good strong woman but as I say it's women in agriculture it's a free forum the only thing that the Skibbereen and Bandon Credit Union ask you to do is to register because obviously they need to get numbers because they do teas and coffees and that and and it's just it's a nice night out as well and it's quite a social night out and it's always great if you've got a friend you might like to bring along but if you want to come along on your own feel free you can and it's this night week Thursday the 7th of February and we'll be in the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen from 8 o'clock next Thursday night but you can email info at skibbereencu.ie or if you give Skibbereen Band and Credit Union a buzz and I'm sure they'll be able to take uh, your name names from you of the numbers uh, just so we can get some handle on the number of people that are coming but it's this day next week mark it in your diary if you want to join us for a free night out Women in Agriculture Forum in the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen 
I'm certainly looking forward to it. Okay, we were talking about keeping us all safe and security and elderly people and all of that. And somebody suggested that peepholes in front doors or something that previous generations always had, but they're not as common today. And maybe we need to go back to that. And maybe for elderly people, we need to make sure that they've installed one of these peepholes in their door so that if somebody comes a calling and they don't know the person then they simply don't have to open the door. Pat says, Patricia, on peepholes in doors, you can now get them where there is an SD card to record outside and inside there's a screen so it's much bigger inside which would suit older people. I heard about it at a Garda crime prevention talk but I'm not sure where you can actually get them, says Pat. Good, we'll try and look into that. If anybody knows that, it's it's all it's like it's almost like a camera is there instead of the peephole and recording, which would be fantastic because you'll have a record. You'll actually have a video footage of who was at your front door at any given time. I haven't heard of it before, but if anybody knows or can tell us more about it, please do. I would be certainly interested to try to find out more about that and try to spread the word and get the message out to people. So that's what we try to do in this programme. We try to keep everybody as safe as possible. Let me go to some of your calls coming in to the programme this morning. Let, oh, before I go to the nurses, let me just stay on security. We mentioned uh, sensor lights and Paddy O'Brien is is a great believer in having sensor lights in and keeping your house as well lit up as possible. Well, Margaret contacted us and she's not a big fan of sensor lights anymore because they had sensor lights installed in her home. And a few years ago, thieves came into their driveway. The sensor lights kicked in because that's what they were designed to do. But Margaret said the thieves then proceeded to ransack and break into the cars. She reckoned that the sensor light gave them more light to see what they could actually rob. So she's not the biggest fan of uh, sensor lights. Thank you for that, uh, Margaret. Now, on the nurses and the nurses strike and people supporting the nurses, uh, etc. Some of your calls in on this. Michael in Newmarket. The government should be ashamed to have the nurses out on the picket line yesterday on such a cold, cold day. While the government are making people travel to the north for hip and cataract operations, while we see government ministers flying all over the place to meetings and us, the taxpayer, paying for it. It seems very, very unfair uh, indeed. Some of your WhatsApps in on this. Uh, Hi, Patricia. At the end of the day, your health is your wealth. The government should give the nurses a pay rise, perhaps not the 12% that they're looking for, but they certainly should agree on some percentage. On a positive side, nurses have a nice pension when they do finally retire. My point is, though, I am sure the other sectors, the other unions and public sector workers would not mind the nurses getting a pay rise because one day they might need the nurses. As I've said before, your health is your wealth. You're talking about risking lives here. But the problem with the other public sector unions, and I know Forza is one of the ones who are the largest trade union of public and civil servants. They, I think it's about 80,000, is it? Is it even more? They're, they're the largest public sector union in Ireland, uh, one the second largest trade union in the state. They've already come out saying that if the nurses get the money, then they're, they're lining up behind. Uh, and that's one of the arguments that I know Pascal Donoghue and Leo Varadkar has said one of the reasons that they can't give it to the nurses is because it would be unfair on all of the other civil servants and there would be a queue from all of the other civil servants saying if the nurses get it, then we uh, want it too. 
Thank you for your WhatsApp. Jim says, hi, Patricia. Leo had the cheek to say it's unfair on taxpayers to pay for the increase in the nurse's wages. And I wonder who he thinks pays his wages. And he had no bother and shamelessly took a recent increase in his own wages and that of the TDs. He's the highest paid leader in the world. So you should practice what he preaches and, and no bother in saying that the new children's hospital will go ahead after increasing in price by 300%. It doesn't seem to bat an eyelid at this. But Leo won't have any nurses to fill positions if the nurses keep going abroad for work due to pay and working conditions in this country. So Leo has to get real and come out of the bubble he lives in in Dublin, surrounded by spin doctors, who, by the way, the taxpayer is also paying for. People are sick of it and start to, we need as people, we need to start protesting like the French do. And then he realise he's a problem and, and he can't walk down on people. Sorry, rant over, says Jim. It's always great to get a rant in, Jim. Thank you for that. And we very much appreciate your WhatsApps, even if they are rants, that's fine. Okay, some of your texts in the sympathy, this is John, the sympathy for nurses will quickly wane next week when patient care will deteriorate. It transpires they are better paid than the nurses in the United Kingdom and on par with nurses pay in Australia. They work in a stressful area because of understaffing, etc. They should also be paid overtime for the shift handovers, says John. So it's the conditions need to be looked at rather than their uh, pay. Morning Patricia, this strike is not just about pay, says the texter. It's also a question of the cost to us, the taxpayer, of training and what can be done to keep those we've trained in this country. These excellently, highly trained young people are offered better opportunities abroad as well as the respect they've truly earned and deserved this country's government hold people back. I don't ask why they leave. I ask why not. All they want is for our present government to engage. Why are they not doing that? They say they don't have the money. Well, money was found when the banks dropped this country into a very large mess, which we, the taxpayers, are still paying for. Yeah, and we'll be paying for many, many uh, generations to come. You do have a very valid point though we are training and highly training these nurses and Irish nurses are recognised the world over because of the training they received they receive in this country and that's going back it's taxpayers are funding the training in the it's all done in universities now uh, all of the, the courses that are done so, so you're right and we're losing the very very best because for many of them if they even work a year, some of them don't. Some of them are just on the plane straight away. I was reading a piece where the English hospitals, they are literally queuing up outside the universities to get the nurses to sign up. I mean, there was one, there's one hospital group in England that are offering them three months pay in order to come over. They pay relocation fees, they're paying flights. Uh, And I know even in Australia, a lot of the Australian hospitals, before the nurses even land in Australia, they have a job already lined up. And that's because of the reputation of Irish nurses all over the world. And it's because of the training they receive, the training that we give them in this country that the taxpayer ultimately pays for. And then, so we're educating them for the boats and the planes. And we've spoken about that before uh, in the past. 
John, this is a different John, says, Patricia, why should tax rise to cover the nurses as the taxes are already high enough? What happened to the money from the sugar tax and the tax that comes in on tobacco and alcohol? And what about the nurse that was left to die alone last year after the Minister for Health refused to provide her with any care? Our help after she gave her whole life to caring for others. John, I'm unaware of the case that you're talking about there, uh, John, but you, uh, I accept your point on taxation. We're already taxed uh, enough. Michael and Donna says, I fully support the nurses. A nurse saved my life. I think they should get whatever they request. As a texter said earlier, they are the best workers and they are the most caring people in our public service. Teachers, guards and most definitely the local authority staff are all paid enough, in my opinion, so they would not deserve any kind of a pay increase. Give it, please, to the nurses. Take it off the politicians. Take it off all the managers in the HSE who obviously couldn't manage a henhouse. Ooh, says Michael in uh, Donnerail, 100% behind the nurses. Another texter says, I think a lot of time is spent by nurses filling out forms, which is a huge waste of their time. And a lot of nurses will tell you that themselves with all the red tape and HICWA. And, and you know, HICWA is there to make sure that everything is better. And I accept that. But because of it, a lot of nurses and the caring profession are bogged down in paperwork, bogged down in a lot of the day. Which and, and I don't think any nurse ever trained to be bogged down in, in filling in forms but sadly that's exactly what is uh, happening. Another texter says uh, why did they say on the Daily Mail newspaper that nurses are to get a 7,000 pay rise in, Mar- in March says Margaret. Well I don't know about a 7,000 pay rise. All nurses um, well not all the majority of nurses and I'm open to question this but I think it's the majority of nurses are due to get a pay rise in March. It's an increase in allowances. Now I know the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation when they heard about it, I think it's 20 million has been allocated for the nurses for these allowances. Uh, they said, you know, while, the, while they welcome and they'll take the allowances, they want an across the board pay uh, rise. They want their 12.5% uh, instead. But this, that, that was all part of the, when, when the negotiations for all of the public sector. They're all getting by way of a pay increase. Well, it's it's allowances, isn't it? Rather than if it means your pay goes up, so your pay your pay either goes up or it goes down, and it goes up regardless of what way you're getting it. But it's allowances and increments that they were due to get. Now I don't know about this, the figure of seven thousand. Maybe some nurses are entitled to that because it's paid depending on the grade that you're at. So maybe I thought it was around the three thousand euro mark most nurses were to get in at March. Thank you, Margaret, for your text. And John in Clonakilty says on the nurses' strike, Patricia, the nurses are in the front line. They see and know what has happened within the public service. The, the strike is to do with pay. They want 12%. They are the most dedicated profession. Please give them their pay. They are overworked as it is. 1850 John Paul, taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. 
Let's start with window fitters and labourers required. This is for work for a West Cork company fitting commercial and it's for commercial and domestic work. Raymond O'Neill Insurance is there in Bandham. They've got a vacancy for a full-time personal lines advisor while an off-licence assistant is wanted for carry-out in Mallow and an experienced excavator driver wanted to work in the Clonakilty area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Now, sheep farmers are under siege from dogs who are attacking their flock. This claim was made following the news that some 42 sheep had been killed in the past two months in County Louth alone with half of them killed in the last week. To talk about what can be done, I'm joined from the IFA by Sean Dennehy, who is the chair of the IFA Sheep Committee. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you, you are welcome uh, to the programme. I read that nationally there are dog attacks on almost a daily basis. Are these dogs family pets whose owners are simply unaware what the dogs are doing? Um, the vast majority of these would be... Uh dogs owned by people that are that have them as family pets, yes. And can a couple of dogs do a lot of damage in yeah, a field full of a flock of sheep? Um, a couple of, even in my own case, which was last October, my sheep were chased in October and uh, the dogs at that time chased my sheep and it was only seven minutes they were chasing the sheep and in that amount of time one sheep had gone into shock and uh, the sheep were frightened for the best part of a week before they settled down again. So that was only seven minutes of a run. If that had happened by night, there would have been way more damage done. And this time of the year, then, when the oats are heavy in lamb, um, they're sometimes, if they're chased at this time of the year, uh, about a week later, they'll abort their lambs. And um, they're, they're able to run a lot less and uh, the, they were more vulnerable that the, the dogs would be able to get at them and, uh, and and attack them. And they're literally torn to pieces alive. That's, that's what happens. Yeah, and I think we've all over the years seen some horrific photographs of, of, of literally, as you say, a, a sheep being ripped apart. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a live animal and, and when dogs attack, it's it's no particular breed. Hunting breeds are more prone to doing it, but your family pet is just is capable. Um, the instinct just kicks in when they're when they're left out and they join up with other dogs, and it's a kind of a mob mortality mentality, and they just chase the the dog, chase the sheep, and sheep go into drains and rivers as well. There's other losses that are incurred from from a chase as well, and and it's a huge financial hit on a farmer. Is expecting to be lambing. There's 3.2 million euros lambing down in the next couple of weeks. Um, oh, sorry, 2.2.6 million euros lambing down in the next couple of weeks to 34,000 sheep farmers all over the country. And uh, like you said, on a daily basis, sheep are being attacked. And dogs. sheep? Am I right in saying, Sean, they're they're pretty defenceless animals? They're very distant. Um, they, they don't uh, put up with anything. They God help them. Yeah, and, um, and what, they... what happens is they go in a, in a, they just go in a big kind of a mob, and then humans spit out of a dog's 
spit them out and, and attack them in different places and they'd just go around in a circle and just pick off sheep off the off the edges of it. So it's it's not a very nice sight for farmers and it's very disheartening for farmers. They they've they've worked hard and they they in they've pride in their stock and um for this to happen it it's it's just um it's too much for, for farmers and, and it's it's very disheartening for Absolutely so soul destroying for them. Yeah. And yeah. and you'll have people who'll say, Oh Sean, you know, my dog is the quietest, most placid dog would never get involved in activity like that. Yes, yes, people say that, but uh, like uh, a dog, you can have a dog at home and he can stay, he'll stay at home all day, every day, but then he'll he'll hook up with another dog and he'll carry him away. Like we've had Yorkshire Terrier, I have regular contact with the dog wardens and some of my friends are dog wardens as well, and even your lovely Fluffy Yorkshire Terrier has been known to uh, attack sheep. And on the way back, for one particular case where the, the, the Yorkshire Terrier had killed sheep, he was on the way back and he attacked a woman on the bike. He was so, his yeah. blood was up so much, he was, you know, he was... That's uh, what you, that's the fear. That, that you know, the what was a very placid dog gets into that pack mentality with other dogs and then God knows what can happen afterwards. Yeah, that's it. And if um, you can track down the owner, can they be fined? Um, the owners, if the owners that are responsible for these kills, um, there's legal and financial quant- uh, consequences for these people. Um, like the a sheep, there the average sheep kill is eleven sheep have been killed. We we did a survey a few years ago, the IFA did it, and uh, there was over three to four thousand sheep killed in that year, and that that was. That was just what sheep we knew about. There was other sheep that were killed that weren't reported to us. But that year there was three to 4,000 sheep killed. And the average kill, the average amount of sheep killed at that time was 11 sheep per, per on average, were killed for every dog attack. Shocking. So there was three to 400 uh, dog attacks that year. So, um... It's it's a growing it's a growing problem. I think we do have a problem that needs to be solved in relation to dogs running loose. Um, people are you know people are responsible for their pets. People are great with their pets. They mind them and they give them good homes and all that. But there's a responsibility that goes beyond that. They're responsible to make sure that their their dog doesn't go out on the road as a nuisance to traffic, or that their dog doesn't stray onto farmland and start chasing sheep or annoying cattle or calves or stuff like that. And a farmer is allowed to shoot a dog on on his land. Do many do that? um, Farmers, that is the last resort. Farmers don't like doing that. But if if you have a choice between uh, if you are there and you come upon a dog attack or you see the sheep being killed from your kitchen window and you see your sheep being torn apart, you have no choice but to, 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 to stop them. And sometimes the only way you can stop them is is with a gun. And if they've done damage, the dog should be put down. That's basically it. The, the dog, if he's done damage, he'll do damage again. A dog that has killed once will kill again. It's in their system. It'll, they'll never get out of it. Yeah, I remember Ita, who used to be our resident vet, saying that, that once the dog gets the taste of blood, that's it. Yeah. She said there should be no discussion. The dog should just be uh, put down. So we all need to be, everyone needs to be aware where your dog is at all all times, Sean. Yes, that's right.
right, you're, you need to be aware of where your dog is at all times and your dog has to be under control at all times. And there's dangerous breeds then that need to be muzzled and on a lead at all times. And, like, once they're once they're outside your property, they're in a public place and they need to be kept on a lead. Yeah. And we have problems as well. We've had people in the, the Dublin mountains that go to forestries and leave their dogs off and the dog goes through the forestry he might be hunting a rabbit and next thing he sees a sheep and he goes hunting sheep and people are it, it's not that people mean to do it they're unaware that their dog by chasing sheep is doing damage yeah. and farmers farmers in that area were very annoyed um, by people coming walking in the woods and leaving their sheep off and they were being on a on a week on a every weekend their sheep were being chased and it was so extreme that some farmers couldn't even go away the weekends because they their dogs would or their sheep would be attacked by dogs or chased by dogs while they were away so okay. it's um it's 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 just that if people were a bit more uh careful about how they manage their dogs this wouldn't happen. We wouldn't be having this discussion. Sean, do we we need to run an awareness uh, campaign? I certainly remember the TV ad that ran back, I had to check this yesterday, I think it ran back in the 80s. There was a TV ad warning warning families, just, you know, know where Fido is at all times. Do we need to do something like that again? I think we do. That that was a brilliant ad and it it really uh, raised awareness that time um, about... um, about how their pet Fido It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. He was there and he was lying down in front of the fire. And when the door was open, he left off. He joined up with other dogs who were in killing sheep. And then he came back and he was left in and he lay down in front of the fire again like as if nothing had happened yeah. so that, that 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 kind of gave people an insight of what can happen when their dog is left out uh, without being supervised so that that's I know no you at all times at night your dog should be at home and you should know where he is during the day you don't leave him out without supervision and supervision you need to know where he is at all times they're like 
you wouldn't leave a, you know, it's like having a child. You need to know where you're they are. You're around. responsible. And just because you you're live in, in, in a town or in an, in an urban area, you know, a dog will travel a few miles and, you know, they'll get out into the countryside to where the sheep are. Don't be under the illusion because your dog is a, a townie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And coming into the busiest time of the year then, Sean, for, for you and your members. Yeah, we're coming into the busy, busiest time of the year. Last year we had a lot of snow during lambing and it was a really tough time. Yeah. And uh, this year we're, it's, everything is green and we're, we're hoping for a, a better year this year. It couldn't be as bad as last year. So no, we're, no. We're I mean, because we ha- we've had this lovely mild weather. I mean, there's a bit of a glitch this week, but it's going to disappear again on Saturday. That mild kind of spring weather would be ideal for the lambing. Yeah, yeah it would be great. And look, the weather is coming cold now and hopefully when the sheep will be lambing in the end of February and March down this into the country and in, in April hopefully the weather will be good and uh, we're, we're hoping for a, a good year this year anyway with, with, for our lambing season hopefully it will be good OK alright and Brexit the dreaded word are you, are you in fear? We, we don't know what's going to happen on Brexit. Brexit, every we, we had our AGM in the up in the farm centre this year this, this week and Brexit was a big item on the agenda, and we had uh, Minister Creed, and we had Leo there, and um, the no one really knows what's going to happen. That's the big problem, isn't it? That's the big, and that's adding to the worry. That's adding to the worry. But um, look, we'll have to wait and see what happens on the twenty ninth of March, um, whether they're going to stay or go. We'll have to see. There's a lot. A day is a long time in politics, so I'm not going to speculate on what's going to happen. Hopefully. We'll have a good outcome then, but we have to prepare and our food companies and our other companies in the whole country have to prepare for the eventuality that there might be uh, a hard Brexit. Yeah, so know, we yeah. have to keep it in the back of our minds yeah. or at the forefront of our minds at this stage. Yeah, we can't bury our heads in the sand, unfortunately. No, no. All right, uh, Sean, listen, thank you for that. Enjoyed our chat. Thanks for joining us. Okay, thanks. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Sean Dennehy there, who is chair of the IFA uh, Sheep Committee. A listener says, Your piece about dogs attacking sheep. What about farmers' dogs? Do they not roam around the countryside? It can be farmers' dogs that are out of control. They would put the blame on non-farmers. I don't know what the evidence there of dogs that have been found and shot are dogs that have been picked up by the dog warden. I don't know how many of them belonged to farmers themselves. And someone else sent in a lovely text um, remembering the uh, late uh, Jack O'Rourke who was one of the founders of this uh, radio station and actually it was last, wasn't it last weekend that we were 29 years on air here broadcasting from the studios in Mallow and Jack O'Rourke would have been uh, would have been uh, very involved with that. Uh, but he did a recitation on a programme a number of years ago about an eccentric old man who had a dog. Uh, Sheep were being killed and an old loner's dog was shot by a public spirited vigilante. It was found out later that the elderly man was deaf and blind and the dog was actually his carer. Sheep continued to be killed after that dog had been shot and it turned out the leader of the pack of the dogs that was killing the sheep was the vigilante's dog. And that's from Tim to 0862 103 103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven 
www.clarkcastlaven.ie C103 This is the Court Today replay on C103 we're going to Bantry Garda Station. We're joined by Inspector Ian O'Callaghan uh, for this week's uh, Garda file. Um, good afternoon or good morning to you, Ian. Uh, good morning, Patricia. And congratulations, I've just copped your promotion. Thank you, Patricia. <laughs> yes, uh, delighted to get posted to Bantry, uh, where I know a lot of the community down here from my years as Crime Prevention Officer. So thank you very much, Patricia, and just to thank everybody who's contacted me in recent weeks. Uh, acknowledging my promotion. Okay, so well, well really done. Well, well, well done. You've, you've been a hard-working sergeant, so it is well, well-deserved. Okay, you want to start with uh, stats on pedestrian deaths. Now, unfortunately, there's an, in- an increase here in Cork and across the border in Limerick. That's right. Uh, something I touched on there uh, a few weeks ago uh, when I suppose the figures came out for 2018, and I just said I'd let listeners know maybe a little bit more detail uh, about it. And... In 2018, last year, 149 persons unfortunately lost their lives across the country. 42 of the deaths were pedestrians, which is nearly 30% of the total, which is very high. And when we look at Cork, Kerry and Limerick, the southern Garda area, 30 persons lost their lives uh, last year. And nine of these deaths um, were pedestrians, which amounts to a little over 30% of the southern region total. And seven of the deaths, which is relevant to ourselves here, um, occurred in County Cork uh, last year. And that would compare to uh, two deaths in 2017. So certainly that, that is a worrying upward trend. And I suppose it's timely uh, with, with those figures uh, to maybe just remind people, because we, we're all pedestrians at some stage uh, during the day or the week, uh, maybe to heed some of the following advice and Number one, to stop, look and listen. And I suppose the key thing there about listening is you notice yourself a lot more people are out walking, uh, keeping fit, and they might have headphones on. Yeah. Um, See so, that all the time. Yes. And, you know, that that, that obviously will negate the listening aspect um, to hearing maybe a lorry approaching from the rear um, or, or something behind you. So, you know, it's be very mindful if you are wearing headphones while you're out walking, jogging, Cycling, in fact, um, you need to be very, very careful because it does reduce that important component of road safety in relation to listening to danger before it approaches you. Yeah, you um, can have just one headphone, have one earpiece in and leave the other one out. That's it, that's yeah. it. And I suppose not to try, try and not to cross the road between parked cars. Um, if possible, cross at pedestrian crossing or traffic lights. Uh, never cross at a bend. If there is a footpath, use it. Uh, it's amazing the amount of times you see a footpath on one, one side of the road and a pedestrian is, is on the other side of the road. Um, so use the footpaths. If there is no footpath, walk, running, jogging, on the right-hand side of the road, obviously, facing oncoming traffic and keeping as close as possible to the side of the road. And if you're out walking with friend or family member, walk no more than two abreast. And if the road is narrow or there is heavy tra- traffic, it's to walk in in single file. And I suppose just to go back to the national figures, two-thirds of fatal pedestrian collisions happened at night. And in the case of counties Cork and Limerick in 2018, over three-quarters of these fatal pedestrian collisions occurred at night. So clearly there we can see that the danger period for all of us out walking um, or jogging is nighttime yeah. under the cover of darkness. And look, there... To protect ourselves, we always wear a pair of reflective armbands, a high-visibility belt or other reflective or, or fluorescent clothing. And, it, you know, 
anybody going out there at night, it, it should always be just good practice um, to put on your fluorescent jacket. And they're easy to attain, ascertain and get. Uh, the Road Safety Authority for any voluntary groups, it's free to register. And you can apply to get different types of fluorescent gear from the Road Safety Authority for free to give out at the people in your community. I saw event. one of the leaders from Operation Transformation last night and they were out on an evening walk. There was a group of about four of them and they all had their fluorescent jackets on. But then the two on either side had, had big flash lamps with them. I just thought, what a great idea because obviously they were in very rural areas, but they were well lit up. Yes, that's it. And I suppose it's, it's like nearly when you're going out that we all nearly need to do a risk assessment. Where yeah. are we walking to? No more than where we're driving to or cycling to. Uh, what type of safety gear do I need? And I suppose... Uh, some sobering facts uh, which needs to be mentioned as well is that maybe in- intoxicated pedestrians are a so- source of danger to themselves. Um, if you had one too many, don't attempt to walk, get a taxi, use public transport. I know that can be difficult in rural parts of Cork um, or obviously a designated driver. Um, I know down in the Mizzen Peninsula there, uh, Gardaí launched an initiative last year with local pubs in relation to distributing uh, packs for people who were, you know, going home on foot after being out socialising, which included the likes of a fluorescent jacket, which was a great initiative Brilliant, could well that could be replicated yep. quite easily elsewhere. So yeah. if there's any publicans tuning in today, it could be an idea uh, for their customers. Yeah, just do we want to keep everybody safe? OK, you need some help solving some local crimes, starting off with a burglary in Carrigadrohad on uh, Saturday night into Sunday morning. Yeah, uh, just Saturday uh, night gone by Sunday morning at, in the townland of Ratanoan, Carrigadrohad. A small amount of equine equipment was stolen from a tackle shed on the property and Gardaí and Coachford are investigating there. So that appeal is for anybody uh, last Saturday night, earlier as Sunday morning in the Carrigadrohad area who may have seen a vehicle or person or persons acting suspiciously to please contact them there. And on the 30th of January... Uh, just Wednesday, yesterday, uh, between 2.30pm and 3.45pm, that's only just over an hour, the house was empty, at Mull Han Turig in Grievegilla. A house was ransacked and, unfortunately, about €3,500 worth of property was stolen oh, here, well. including gold jewellery, an Apple iPad and a quantity of cash. So we're very anxious to receive any type of information from people in the general Gneva Gila And that's in area. daylight, daylight that's hours. That's daylight in which, and just remind everybody, your house is most likely to be broken into uh, daytime, morning or daytime. And that's why we do look at our checkpoints early morning, afternoons, in particular telling our Garda members the importance that of crime prevention and collating any particular criminal movements in areas as well. Okay, you want to highlight what was a deception incident in Mill Street? Yes. Um, this happened last Saturday week, the 23rd of January, at West End Mill Street. Uh, so it's an appeal for anybody. This daytime again, around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, a retired gentleman in his 80s, I suppose, was um, got a knock on the door and somebody came into the house. And to cut a long story short, a false story was given to the victim here and a sum of cash was handed over in, in false pretenses. So, a couple of things there. Did anybody in the West End area of Mill Street last Saturday afternoon, the 23rd of January, did they see anybody or any caravan 
suspicious in the area in and around that time. Gardaí and Mill Street are very anxious to speak to anybody. And I suppose an incident in our own area in Bantry down here before Christmas has got a lot of media attention this week. So it's timely just to remind everybody again, similar to the incident in Mill Street, that look, while it's it's not very common, um, it is uh, possible, it could happen, that certain criminals uh, will target vulnerable people, people living on their own, uh, who are retired, and, you know, it's important for such people or family members, friends listening in, uh, to remind people not to be trusting of cold callers um, and not to hesitate in contacting a family member if they feel a bit unnerved by a stranger at their door. Um, and indeed, if somebody has the socially monitored pendant alarm, uh, to press the, the, the monitored alarm, uh, which will notify a friend uh, that you may need assistance. Yeah, get, well. get somebody. And actually, we spoke with Paddy O'Brien, a leading advocate for older people earlier, uh, who was giving similar advice uh, as well. But do not entertain anybody cold calling uh, to your door. So if anybody can help and if you spotted anything in the West End area of Mill Street, uh, please contact the Mill Street uh, Gardaí. And a smash and grab of a handbag from a car. Yes, um... Unfortunately, another, another incident, as, as, as we all know, um, it continues to be an issue where, unfortunately, handbags are left on display. Uh, I suppose it's very rare we come on where we're not highlighting another incident has happened. And all we can do is keep reminding people about the importance of not leaving valuables on display no matter where you park your car. And this particular incident happened at Coolmain, Kilbritton, at approximately quarter to one in the afternoon. Um local popular area there for people going for walks and Gardaí in Bandon are investigating this incident. Just one item of note there is that we are anxious to speak to anybody in Kilbritton um, on that date who may have seen a white car in the area. Um, so that would be very important, a white car in the area of Kilbritton on that date. And an unlocked van was had a still... H-I-G-S pole hedge strimmer uh, taken from it at Inchin Taggart in Glengariff. And that happened last Saturday, the 26th of January, uh, between 5pm and 6pm. So again, for tradespersons, and we've given warnings there about having, having you know, your van or your car unlocked. Um, your car van should be locked at all times, no matter where it is, particularly outside your own home, or you might be, I suppose, more complacent not to lock it, but... If that's the case, you do need to change your mindset in relation to... Get, in, get into the habit of constantly locking it. Yes. And and to finish something I don't think we've ever reported before uh, stolen on the programme, speed ramps. A speed ramp, a temporary speed ramp, will, has only just in, in recent weeks been put in um, in Shannon Vale, three in total, um, because obviously there was issues there in relation to um, cars, increased cars using that road in the Clonakilty area while roadworks are happening on the N71. And yes, a part of the speed ramp was removed in late Saturday night, early hours of Sunday morning, just gone by. Now, thankfully, the portion of the speed ramp that was taken up and removed, which took a bit of effort, uh, was located in the vicinity. But nonetheless, local authority... Uh, had to be called out to to reapply it to the roadway and it was a source of danger up to that time that it was put back in place. So we're very anxious there, my colleagues in Clonakilty, to hear from anybody who might know or have heard of anybody who may have been involved in that particular crime to contact us. 
more an act of vandalism, wasn't it? Then? Yes, yeah. yes. But, you know, again, um, you know, potentially putting people's lives at risk there. The, the ramps were put in place, you know, to slow, slow down vehicles in that particular area for a reason. Absolutely shameful. Okay, all right, we leave it there. Um, Ian, thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is Inspector Ian O'Callaghan, who joins us from Bantry Garda Station. 1850-333-103. A number of people still ringing in, getting saying that they're getting scam calls. Scam calls this morning in Donorail, says Margaret, again claiming to be from air. But Margaret said what was interesting was when she looked at her phone first before she realised that it was the scam call, it looked like it was a local number. It looked like it was an 022 number. However way, whatever way they're managing to do it, the way they can manipulate the phone numbers, when you look at your phone very quickly, it does look like it's a local call. They're deliberately doing that, Margaret, in the hope that you'll pick it up and that you'll, you'll believe everything that they're, they're going to say uh, to you. But of course, as we know, uh, it's, it's all a scam. They're just trying to get money out uh, of you. And Tim says, uh, Patricia, when, and my apologies, I, I misread Tim's text earlier. It was Jack Roach, the former county councillor and still a great uh, worker for Kyoltus that told that story about the dog who was accused of killing sheep and then was killed by a public spirited vigilante and it turned out that the man who owned the dog was deaf and blind and the dog was his carer and it turned out later that the vigilante who shot the dog it was his dog was the leader of the pack of the dog that was killing uh, sheep. My apologies. It was Jack uh, Roach. <laughs> Sorry, um, Tim, I misread your text when it came in first, but it did get me to talk about Jack O'Rourke, who was one of the founders of the radio station, which prompted Stephen to to text in and say, uh, which op- which of the radio stations opened first? Which of the studios opened first? Was it Bandon or Mallow? It was Mallow opened in the... January of 1990 and then the abandoned studios for West Cork opened up in the November of, of that year so that's coming up to the 29th anniversary of that later on this year 1850 if you've got a pet question get it in because Jane Pickett our resident vet will join us in the next hour and we're also hearing uh, and going to go live to a protest that's happening over in emergen- emergency housing offices in the city we'll find out more about that in the next hour Court Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Huge congratulations and a happy birthday to Eile Daly, who is in Chuck Ultra in Newmarket. Eile, I'm told it's your birthday today. You are 94. Happy birthday to you. The message says, have a great day. Love and God bless from all of your family and friends. And no doubt there's a big party planned at Chuck Ultra with lots of cake and presents and candles and balloons and the rest. Enjoy every single minute of it. And indeed, hi to everybody in Chuck Ultra in Newmarket as well. Let me go to comments coming in on the nurses strike still getting in a lot of commentary on this and emails to Patricia at c103.ie actually this is an email in from a councillor who was protesting yesterday with the nurses this is West Cork councillor Christopher O'Sullivan because somebody earlier was giving out about they had seen councillors on some of the picket lines and also saw on social media that councillors across Cork and, and I imagine across the country were out supporting the nurses. And one 
of our listeners was being a bit cynical saying are they only doing that to get votes because this is a local election happening in May. Well Councillor Christopher O'Sullivan has emailed the programme saying Hi Patricia I have so many friends who qualified as nurses in Ireland but moved to Australia, Canada and the United Arab Emirates because of the poor pay conditions in Ireland. For me our nurses are the shining light of a health system that simply isn't fit for purpose. The majority of people I have spoken to over the past few weeks including family members have incredible things to say about the level of care they have received from our Irish nurses. All of us agree that they don't receive fair pay. I was proud to stand with staff on the picket line yesterday outside Clonakilty Community Hospital. Kind regards. And that's from Councillor Christopher O'Sullivan. Thank you for that, uh, Christopher. Marion Ovens says, People are ringing in saying nurses are getting fine pensions. But please remember, nurses are paying a huge amount of money every month to put in the money into that pension. They pay for their own pension pot. Also, the drug payment scheme uh, was €134 Euro a month. But in the budget, we got the good news that it's to be reduced by €10 Euro a month. But have people realised the reduction isn't kicking in until April this year? So you'll still pay the 134 up until April. Whereas last year, when they reduced it by €10, Euro, the decrease kicked in in uh, January. I didn't realise that. I knew there was a decrease. I thought as well it was going to be January like uh, last year. So well uh, spotted, uh, Mary, in uh, ovens. So for people paying who pay the full amount on their drugs, you're going to have to pay the 134 up to April. And I don't know if it kicks in the beginning uh, or the end of April. Also, Mary said, our nurses in Australia, I know of a nurse, who decided to come home. She took up the offer from the HSE, HSE to come home. But as she was living at home with her parents, they took away the financial incentive that they had promised her when she would come home uh, because they were only paying that financial incentive to people who went out who either bought or rented a house. Who can get a house in this day and age? I wasn't aware. I thought that incentive, they paid the incentive to get you back and it didn't matter where you were going to end up living. That doesn't make any sense to me at all that the HSC will only pay the incentive to get nurses to come back as long as they go out and rent a property or buy a property. That does not make any sense to me. I'll see if I can find out more uh, on that because I imagine a lot of young nurses as well who will come back will and certainly they will initially come back and live at home if the hospital that they've applied to is near. They're going to stay at home in in the house of Mammy and Daddy particularly if they've been away in Australia uh, for a few years. Makes no sense at all to me. If anybody else can let us know if that's true and have they heard of that happening to many other nurses because if if so it is truly truly shocking some of your texts in Marisa hi Patricia um, in a way Simon Harris is right nurses should get nothing well I've met very kind nurses and in CUH every single staff treat us the same as if we were the Pope but I can't but I've come across a few that think you're only a waste of space if you're not a farmer or you're not a professional. There was a very a very ill man was treated very badly by a what I can only describe as a bee of a nurse that had a very big salary. It's okay if you're well off and you are someone. But uh, unfortunately, that's not for everyone, says Marie. Yeah, and in every profession, you'll get the good, the bad and the ugly, un- un- unfortunately. Tim says 
the government policy on spending amazes me. We have Minister Sabone having 10 million to dig up the babies in Tum. The health minister having no problem finding 10 million euro to rush in the most liberal and br- brutal abortion service in the world. This is a huge contradiction. Abortion will mean... Uh, do I really need to go back into all this debate again? Abortion will mean perfect babies. I'm not saying the rest of that, but some ended up in septic tanks. Um, so why are we spending money digging up the tomb babies? At least they died naturally. Good luck to the nurses, says uh, Tim. Someone else says, why did no one say no to the TDs in the Taoiseach when, when they got their pay rises? Where did that money come from? Well, you know where it came from. It came from the tax uh, uh, payers. Hi, Patricia. I hope this message finds you well. Thank you. I support the nurses 100%. But how about pay restoration for other people who work in the public and private sectors? Plus, don't we pay enough taxes? Look at how much the event centre in Cork is costing to build. To build. The politicians in this country should hang their heads in shame. And that's from uh, Mary. Somebody else wants to point out that Leo Varadkar's mother is a nurse and he's not looking after nurses, that is for sure. Some of your WhatsApps in. Here's the kind of a distressing WhatsApp. says, hi Patricia, my son was in hospital yesterday, the day of the strike. Hospital somewhere in Ireland, I prefer not to name where. He was involved in an accident and he ended up in the emergency department where he had to wait for 12 hours. He says he has no sympathy at all for Irish nurses. He said they were rude to him yesterday. They were laughing and joking and most of them were spending time on their phones. He said they did not appear to be understaffed yesterday. If only they did their job. He said the foreign nurses that came on in the evening were far nicer to him. He also said the Irish nurses that go abroad want to go go abroad like a lot of other professionals. This is from a young adult talking to his mum. Thank God he's feeling better. But he was left in pain waiting to be seen again. You'll always have not everybody. You'll have a lot of people saying that they got looked after really well. But on the other side of the coin, you'll get other people who don't get the same level of service that everybody gets. And, and that's quite a shocking description of what an accident in an emergency department was like at one of our hospitals yesterday on the day of the strike. And this, I take it, is coming from a nurse to say, I missed the start of the text that you read out earlier from somebody who was rattling on about dedication and how nurses should be dedicated to their job and that they never should have gone into the profession. It's not about money and it never should be about money. And if a nurse was a true nurse, they'd be dedicated. Well, would you tell that person, wake up and smell the roses and try paying rent, mortgages, childcare. This is 2019. It's not the 1950s. The days of Florence Nightingale are history, says a WhatsApper to 0862103103. Good morning, Patricia. Is it right that TDs should be shamed as nurses are out? It's only right and proper that TDs should be ashamed as nurses are out on strike. But uh, let us remember them when we go to vote in the next uh, election. 1850 And just on a couple of different things in, we were talking with Paddy O'Brien earlier when we were talking about older people and trying to keep older people safe and he mentioned there's the, they're kicking off the 43rd year, is it, of the over 60s talent competition and he mentioned one in Kilbrin in North Cork. Well, that's prompted a couple of other people to get on to say the over 60s heat in Middleton is on on the 20th of February at 8 o'clock and people can contact Charlie McAllister 
if you'd like to take part in the Over 60s Talent Show in Middleton. And the Yall Heat will be on the 31st of March, three o'clock in the afternoon at the Kyoltis Centre. And for the contact, there is Michael de Butler or Canon David Hurley. Any talented over 60s out there, you don't have to be able to sing any kind of a talent at all. Get in contact and get involved because by all accounts, it is a great fun competition. And Marion Dunmanway was on to say yesterday morning she it took her three hours to get from Dunmanway to Cork Airport. So by the time they got to Cork Airport, they had missed uh, their flight. So they went to book another flight for yesterday uh, evening. She was travelling with Ryanair. Would you believe Ryanair gave them the flight for free? Should you're always hearing bad publicity about Ryanair but here's good publicity it wasn't the airline's fault and it wasn't Mary's fault either but you know traffic out on the road they did their best to get there on time missed the flight but well done to Ryanair stepping up to the plate no charge at all and uh, instead of getting out yesterday morning she got out yesterday evening instead thank you for that Mary and you are right it is good to give credit where credit is uh, due 1850 get your pet questions into us uh, please if you have a pet question for our resident vet um, Jane will be joining us in a couple of minutes so if you've got a pet question you can call John Paul at 1850 or you can text 0862 I'm going to the comment line uh, where Patricia joins me and this is about nurses and Patricia's own experience in hospital. Good afternoon to you, Patricia. Good afternoon. And you're, and you're welcome uh, to the programme. You have been in three different hospitals since last September. Mm-hmm. So you are a user of hospitals. How have you been treated while, whilst a patient? Unfortunately, I was a user of hospitals. And I have to say, now, I was in a for one of them. The other was elective procedure I was in for. Okay. And it, it was... It was like being in a hotel. They were brilliant. The nurses were brilliant in all of the hospitals. Do you want to say what hospitals you were in? I was in the Master in Cork for a few days. I was in CUH and I was in Limerick. Okay, and all treated with utmost respect. Utmost respect. I have to say that there isn't a... And a jolly face in the morning when you're not feeling... The best. (laughs) The best. And did you notice during your stay, during your Sorry. stays, you're all right, during your stays in hospital, did you notice how overworked and stressed the nurses were? The, the place was overcrowded. Okay. And the nurses were, they were, they were, they'd want to be on roller skates to get around to do all that they had to do. Run off their feet. Run off their feet. Somebody was explaining earlier that it's the ratio. We in this country, in on some wards, you can have one nurse looking after 14 patients. Whereas if you're in Australia, a nurse is only asked to look after four patients. And that would make a huge difference. Well, it would because my son was in Australia and they had a baby there. Yeah. And you could not, could not compare. I couldn't see Ireland being like it for 20 years. We'd, we'd need more nurses for sure. You know, they, they, but it's not, it's their attitude to the way they deal with things and everything is just a, a bit of thought put into a thing. Okay, you know, you, I, so you are 100% behind the nurses. I was in A&E there in, I can't try to think what, uh, before Christmas was a bit. And um, I was right, I was near the nurses station so I could see it first hand 
of what was happening. It was crazy. That was in um, in Limerick. And I waited my turn. I was there for nearly two days. But there was nobody standing around. They were all, they all had their own patients and they all, the same people came to me each time. And oh. I saw the abuse that the nurses got. Oh, it's a tough job. Stay, stay there, because Norma has a slightly different view on this. Um, good morning to you, Norma. Good morning. Norma, you you think there's a difference between the younger nurses and the older oh, nurses? A complete difference. The nurses that went up through the, you know, the system were, had a vocation. The nurses going through a university, it's just a job. Useless. I've been in three hospitals now, and I can give the same comment about them all. But once a mature person comes in that has trained, as I call it, properly, um, there's a complete difference in their attitude. Well, it's, a, it's, a deg- it's a degree course now that they do yeah, in university. It's a different uh-huh. thing. It's academic. More. No, I'm not saying the others weren't academic, but they started from scratch and they went up through the ranks. They learned it hard and it suited them. But the young nurses out from college are apt Absolutely useless. Well, you can't say they're all useless. Well, S- some it's of them. The trend with the with the younger ones. I won't say all, I suppose. Yeah. Most of them that I miss. Okay, let's. Patricia, did you notice a difference between older nurses and younger nurses? Not, um, not say older and younger. I agree with her totally. Um, with the nurses that um are coming up through the colleges, to the university. And mm. um, I, you can't be on the ground learning. It's like everything else. Going back when we had the health boards, they did everything, and the matron was there, and it was a totally better service than it is from a HSE, from a Department of Health. And we right. didn't we didn't have superbugs in hospitals when and the matron when the matron was there and the yeah. and the the trainee nurses were there and yeah. I mean only before Christmas Alice Leahy who works with the homeless in Dublin she would have trained back in the fifties yeah. and reading her book talking about the matron coming in with a white glove oh, on yes. to the tra- yeah. <laughs> to, and running the finger along the bed and she said if there was a bit of dust. Yeah, yeah. Whereas today, God help us, you watch some of the cleaners and you think, oh God, I was I was up at a hospital re- recently and a young fella came in to clean the room and I really wanted to grab the bucket and the mop and say, oh God, give it to me there, I'll do it myself. Anyway, all right, listen, thank you for that. It amused me or amazed me, I don't know which you say. <laughs> the cleaner that came to the ward, yeah. right, went, but could not go inside the bathroom door. It had to be another cleaner come back to do that. What's that? In health? A private hospital, no, that I think. Health and safety? But sure, I mean, a cleaner, you <laughs> think, no. could go in and do the bathroom. Yeah, doesn't make no, any she sense. She said, I can't go beyond that door. Doesn't make any sense. They never I'll... called in during the day. You know, sometimes if you're out of your bed and you come back in and it's nicely freshened up and you never saw them all day. And that was in a private hospital? A private hospital. It was all administration with them, which I agree is necessary too but they it's just a job with them okay all right no, we'll leave it there well, all they, right. they were all, the only ones that had a bit of i suppose pop on as you call it were the older the, the trained up through the ranks 
the ones who train the old-fashioned way. We leave it there, ladies. Uh, Continue good help to you both, uh, to Norma and uh, to Patricia. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Our Lady of Mercy National School in Bantry are holding their open day for enrolment of new pupils. It's on between 1 and 2 o'clock today. Please bring your child's birth cert and PPS number with you. While the Gwell School in Blarney, they're holding an open evening for parents this evening between 6 and 8, giving parents the opportunity to meet teachers, parents and other pupils. Kildallery Lottery Draw, jackpot there, €2,800. Walsh's Bar tonight. While Sensational Kids in Clam are hosting a free speech and language drop-in advice clinic and that is on this evening between 6 and 7pm. The North Cork Beekeepers are hosting their first meeting of their 2017 spring lectures. It's in the Nanonagal Birthplace Ballygriffin in Mallow and it's on tonight at 8. All are welcome. Some cancellations. Glanworth 45 car drive off for tonight. And Mitchestown Flower and Garden Club, they've cancelled their slide show, which is also due to be held tonight. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Text, hi Patricia. The nurses that work in nursing homes, uh, are they were they out on strike or are they involved in the strike action? Uh, no, they are not. Uh, I spent a short time in CUH. All the nurses, all the staff were excellent. God bless each and every one of them. And that comes in from Mary in McCroom. And Rob says, uh, Patricia, yes, nurses do a very good job. But people, most people, don't know the difference between a healthcare assistant and a nurse because they're all dressed similarly. It's actually the healthcare assistant that do the majority of the work in the actual wards like the bed bathing and uh, so on and I know all about it says Rob because I am one and I remember meeting a lot I just don't know the gentleman's name a lovely man who is a healthcare assistant uh, working on one of the wards in CUH and you could not have met somebody who worked harder and was more caring particularly to older people he was incredible incredible and a credit to the healthcare assistance profession well done as I say I don't unfortunately don't know the gentleman's name I want to go to um, Councillor Dermot O'Kyla who joins me in in the city because a protest was held at City Hall today I believe it's just uh, finished but I just want to get clarification on what's going on good, good afternoon to you Dermot uh, good afternoon Patricia now this, doing? I, I'm doing very well this is a protest at uh, City Hall this is to do with the emergency housing office at Drynan Street which closed before before Christmas no, only no? on the 21st of January it, oh, it closed all? the doors. Okay, just um, just tell people why it closed. Well, it, it closed because the standard of service provided in, and the standard of facility, in fact, more so um, at Trina Street was actually appalling. We've described it here as something that you might read about in a Charles Dickens novel. Um, like, poor... Um, your people very down in themselves, you know, addicted to alcohol and drugs and whatnot, all used to mix in together with families and young kids and everything. And uh, there was no privacy in the building, no toilets. You couldn't even get a drink of water and everybody could hear your business and so on. It, it was a, a completely, it was a disgrace. We had protested, demanding its closure. And finally, um, council did, because, you know, homeless services are provided 
in there and continuing in a joint operation, if you like, between the county and the city. Um, it was delivered at that stage through the Department of Social Protection. But now it's just in a, it's just starting its second week now, it being located temporarily in City Hall. And the, 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 the transfer didn't go smoothly, I'm afraid, um, even though I think it will. Um, the first problem it had was there was a 100% change in staff. Department of Social Protection staff are no longer involved. It's purely City Hall staff now. So you miss that continuity in staff in what is a very sensitive and demanding task. I actually sympathise with the staff involved in City Hall at the moment because I think they're hugely under-resourced and they're dealing with, with families who are experiencing like the nth degree of stress in their lives and being And you have families who are in such a vulnerable position and such a distressed position. I mean, if you're ending up at the offices of a homeless service or looking to get rehomed, you really, you know, a family with young children can't get any lower than that. No, it's one of the things, it's a nightmare really. But the nightmare was worsened um, in the last week because People had been used to arriving at Trinan Street, for example, with receipts for accommodation that was being subsidised, emergency accommodation and so on. And they arrived in City Hall with the receipts for this accommodation to be told they weren't being paid. And no one had notified them. So there's been a change in the rules being applied without notice to anybody, which has resulted, it resulted in one mother walking the streets of Cork last week with nowhere to go. The Simon shelters were all full and she had nowhere to go. And at least four other families that I'm aware of, two from County Cork area, in fact, um, who had been living in accommodation, apartment-style accommodation, with children, um, which is a child-friendly style of accommodation, if you like, who have now been taken out of that and put into single room and double room, like two separate room B&B accommodation, where they can't even cook or anything. So completely child-unfriendly accommodation. And the sting of all this is, it's costing us more to do this. So, like, the, the closure of Trina Street is completely welcome. And we have to allow teething, teething problems to arise when you have a new service like this coming in. Um, but I think planning didn't go far enough to say, how do we deal with the fallout? What about those who fall through the crack or the situation they didn't predict? And they didn't predict this, obviously, because we have to believe they wouldn't have allowed it. But families have been terribly disrupted. And I know today even you're very upset mothers coming out of City Hall. And last week, lots of them. Um, It is traumatic in your life to be homeless with kids who are wondering, you know, why haven't I got a home, Mammy? And they're being left. So... So, and, th- like, and then the other uh, point, uh, Dermot, the amount of money that has been spent on hotel and B&B oh, accommodation is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, you, I think people are blown somebody, away by the figures. Patricia, for somebody with a single child now, you, you're talking about at least €800 Euros per week for a B&B and they don't even get breakfast. We've had I've had people coming out there, um, two and three kids, paying close on €2,000 a week. For, again, for a B&B, you're not allowed to cook in there, you have to clear out in the mornings and all that, and it's week-to-week basis, you don't know where you're going to be. There was one lady this morning I spoke to um, whose children were up in... Um, up in uh, Deer Park, near Deer Park in the city, and who has now been and was living near that in a house, was taken out of that house and is now accommodated in a hotel down at Silver Springs. Like so, she had two buses to get bring her kids into school. Like, there's no logic to that. We're paying so much for it, 
Um, and I mean, and the hotels have to be paid, and you know that's only rightly so. Paid, but, but it's the amount of money. I mean, I heard of somebody in the North Cork area who's staying in a hotel with two or three children. Uh, I'm yeah. not sure. Uh, it's a thousand euro a week. That's fifty-two thousand. Well, that's, that's cheap. I know. That's cheap as it goes. But it, but yes, it's fifty-two thousand. Like you wouldn't be long buying a buying a property. Or I'll tell you, you like in the county Cork area, you know, the average turnaround cost to to recover one of what they call a void property, you know, the ones that are boarded up belong to the council. The average cost of the county area is thirteen and a half thousand euro. Like you'd pay for it in less than a year, and then of course you'd have someone who's paying rent. Mm. So the councillors could be making money rather than paying out eight hundred upwards to two thousand per week. Like someone needs to get a grip on this. And um, and start addressing the issue of housing. Of course, they need to build public housing. That's the glaring um, missing link here, because you have thousands in receipt of this emergency accommodation. Now, ten thousand people, and um, clock up the money nationally, and there's no end in sight. So the, the protest this morning, um, unfortunately, the weather didn't suit us very well. But it, it, the protest this morning was to highlight and ask. Look, homeless people should have a respectful service. Now, I know the facility in City Hall is a temporary facility and there is new custom-made location being prepared, I believe, for homeless services. But let's let's have flexibility in dealing with the human factor. And I'm afraid to say that's been absent in the planning and in the delivery of the service. And... That's we're 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 sorry for that. <laughs> it should it shouldn't happen. And and when people are paying when our city and public money is paying so much for emergency accommodation, um like there's no reason why we can't have child friendly facilities, why you know bureaucratic rules like it shouldn't be the cause of upset. People should be taken into account. There's a humanity involved here. So the protest was to demand that and to highlight how carelessly, if you like, the service is being delivered. And we need to focus on that. And and city officials and county officials who, who are responsible as well need to focus on that. And keep the humanity and the compassion in Absolutely. these poor people. These poor the people. All right, the worst of anyone's life to be left homeless. Like yeah. That. OK, dear much, we leave yeah. it there. We'll no doubt we'll talk again. Thank, thank you for that. Yeah, and thank uh, thanks for joining us. That is uh, uh, Councillor Dermot O'Kyla following that protest in the city this morning. Margaret on WhatsApp. Uh, says Patricia is on nursing. Hi Patricia. Uh, one can't say that the older nurses were perfect and the younger nurses are useless as has been raised on your programme this morning. Some of each are in both categories. I must say some of the older nurses were lightning bees. Uh, they forgot that they ever trained themselves. They did not try to help the younger nurses. Young nurses are hardly allowed to be caring now. It's all gone. There's no time. They're too busy. Yes, I, yet, but yes, I do agree and I firmly believe that the old way of training nurses was much better than the more modern way. But a lot will depend on the people you meet along the way to help teach you the same way some teachers can't teach, says Margaret by WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Keep, thank you for that. Keep your pet questions coming, please, because uh, Jane Pickett, our resident vet, joining us in studio. You can text her WhatsApp. You can call John Paul, 1850 333 103, or you can email Patricia at c103.ie. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. 
You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket joins us for our pet slot this week. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Hi there. Uh, and you're very welcome. It's miserable old weather out there. You need to be aware of the animals in the cold weather. Absolutely. You know, I think a little bit of the, the really freezing conditions seem to have passed by today. But in the end of the day, those freezing conditions will be coming back to us over the coming months. I think it's just really bearing in mind, what would you do yourself is the acid test I always use. If I wouldn't want to be outside in that all day, my pets certainly won't be. So I think it's really important to, to think a little bit about what the temperature will be for the day. Certainly overnight, particularly making sure that everybody has somewhere really nice and warm and cosy to stay. So I would always advise bringing all of your pets indoors. Um, and maybe when it's really cold conditions, I know they've passed by a little bit today, but certainly yesterday when there was snow and ice on the ground, thinking about making sure that they're warm enough, whether that be popping on a little jacket or anything like that on our particularly skinny or thin breeds that might be so well adapted for cold weather but also their paws as well if it's really stinging icy conditions going for short walks more frequently is really helpful it's like us if we had to walk on bare hands on the snow it'd be really really stingy and sore so sometimes that puts our pets off a little bit so short walks more frequently and just make sure they're wrapped up and cozy okay somebody wants to know should you heat the dog food for them uh, in cold weather oh you know you can (laughs) I'm sure they really appreciate it Um, I don't think it's necessarily something that you'd have to do if you wanted to give a nice treat to your pet then that would be fine but one one little word of warning I would say is I would make sure that if you are heating any dog food up that you just make sure it's almost like baby temperature so you always see people checking milk on the back of their wrists that's a really good way of checking if it's a good temperature because for your pet. Because you can't taste it yourself. You don't exactly. want to burn the mouth. You Absolutely. Don't, you don't want to burn them. So popping some on your skin just to make sure that everything is a really kind of just barely lukewarm temperature and that's very appropriate for pets because sometimes, particularly if things go in the microwave, for example, or are, let's say, soaked in water, they may not be the same temperature the whole way through. So you just need to make sure you mix everything up really well and okay. just make sure it's on the colder side. Okay, some of your questions in Breathe In Mallow. Hi, uh, Jane. I kept a stray cat in for four nights as he had a very sore front paw. It looks like it was the results of a fight. A vet actually called to see him yesterday, but I ended up having to release the poor cat this morning. He was going steer crazy trying to get out. I let him go as he seemed to be getting so distressed. And now I'm wondering if I've done the right thing. No, you know, this is a really difficult one. First of all, I'd say well done for trying to take care of that poor little stray cat. You did absolutely the right thing in taking him in in the first place, particularly in this cold spot of weather. I'm sure he'll have really appreciated having somewhere warm and cosy to stay, particularly if he wasn't feeling so well. Well done for getting the vet out as well. If we do have an obvious injury in any straying pets or anything like that or any, let's say, wilder animals, it's always best to get veterinary attention. I think... You'll have had a chat with your vet whilst they were out as to what they thought was wrong and what the best course of action as regards treatment was. I suppose without seeing myself, I wouldn't 100% know know whether it was best to let him off or not. What I would say, however, is if he was really, really stressed in a kind of a a kept in environment to the point where he was running around a lot and maybe perhaps doing himself a little bit more damage, there is the chance, I suppose, that he would be a bit calmer if he was let go and might give that foot a little bit more rest. I think the best thing I do is if he's a stray cat and if he is local in the area uh, make sure that he's not belonged to any neighbour 
is the first thing. But secondly, if it you sounds have, almost feral if yeah, you got that distressed indoors. So it's exactly. a wild cat living locally. It sounds yeah. like it. I think if you can give him the option of having somewhere warm to sleep, even if you just leave the, if it's safe to do so, leaving a little shed door open and maybe where he was kept before, you might might find that he might venture back in in the colder weather. So I think a really good kind of halfway house would be maybe give him the option yeah, of having I, somewhere I, warm. I did that many years ago with the wild cat. Well, I just had the food in, in the shed and the little window open and they used to pop in and out and eat exactly. and then and just give them somewhere warm. Yeah. Uh, at night but well done well done breather okay someone else says hi this is Liz in Kinsale could you please ask Jane can I use antiseptic savlon cream on my white cat's sore ear tips hmm this is a really interesting one. I, I would suspect that Savalon, it's not been tested in cats. Obviously, it's a, it's a human medication, but I would suspect if it's just a normal antiseptic cream, it would likely be safe. Um, it's on the ear on chips. I'm just thinking I, they, they do wipe they their They do wipe they their ears and there is always the possibility they'll lick it. So how safe it will be if it was licked in and ingested is impossible to say. To be honest, I think the safer option would be to pop to your vet for some antiseptic cream that we know would be safe. But I think the more interesting question here is what what's happening with the little cat's ear tips? Why are they like that? So there's a few things it could be really. Um, in white cats, they can get sunburn, but they can also have much more fragile skin. And we sometimes see fraying of their ear tips. Um in conjunction with that. They but can in, get skin cancer, can't they? They can. On the very point. Because they yeah. have very, very white tips. Expo- very much like ourselves, if they have exposure to sun, we're a lot more prone to skin cancers than, let's say, somebody who was from a warmer country where they're much more well adapted to being in the sun. But one thing I would say is it will be worth popping to your vet just to double check that there's no parasites. Because some parasites leave, like to live in some places more than others on the body. Mm. And there is a particular type of mite called Cercoptes that really likes to live on ear tips and can make them really red and raw and a little bit sore. So I think rather than going with the Savalon, I think I will be probably heading to your vet for a little assessment with your cat. Um, and they'll either be able to help you out with some antiseptic cream and just make sure that there's nothing more sinister to worry Cause, about. Because you don't want the cat licking something that could be poisonous. No, exactly. Yeah, and, and the it, smallest amount can do huge exactly. damage. Exactly. And if it's something that we're not certain about, I think I would always go with the Get safest bet. Yeah. Jack in Adrigal has a collie dog. It's about a year old chasing cars. How do I stop this how do we want to stop them mm. chasing cars? It's really challenging. I'm not going to lie. It's not an easy thing. And what I would say is understanding the behaviour behind it really helps us to understand how to break that pattern a little bit. So when dogs chase cars, it's the ultimate gratification for them because they just want to protect their family, let's say, and a car drives past and they think, oh, this is a big, scary monster I need to chase. So they bark and woof and chase it down the road, obviously getting themselves in great danger. But they think that they've chased the car away and protected their family. So they think they've done an incredible job in keeping their home safe. So every single time that happens, the car drives away. So they think they've succeeded. So it kind of reinforces that behaviour a little bit more. So that's why it's so tricky to break because it's that makes that dog feel really good for a few seconds. And if, and if you watch a do- dog yeah. walk back, they're, they're like cock of the walk. Exactly. Exactly. They think they're yeah. you know king of the hill. They've yeah. done so well. So obviously it's a behaviour we do want to discourage because we know that lots of dogs die, sadly die in road traffic accidents. Fr- and from that? From that, oh. exactly. Okay. Some of them get so close to the wheel carriage that you know accidents do happen so what I would say is if you can discourage your dog from being on the road with a barrier like a fence or a gate something that they can't physically get to the road that will be the absolute ideal okay 
if they can't do it for a period of a few months, they'll probably give up on the idea. They may well try and chase them along on the inside of the fence, but at least they'll be safe then. Okay. Okay. Um, I think that would be probably the best option. I wouldn't advise, let's say, keeping him inside in the house all day if that's not a pattern he's yeah. used to because uh, they not, need exercise yeah. and fulfilment. I think really making a barrier between you and the road, if at all possible, will be the solution. Okay, keep and um, keep him as safe as possible. Exactly. Okay, and Mary, a couple of minutes left. Mary, could could you vet talk, please, about fleas on small dogs? Can they jump off the dog and onto humans or onto other animals? Can they hop from one dog to another dog, for example? The short answer is yes, absolutely. Hop from one dog to another one dog. One dog to another. Okay. Uh, the sofa to the dog, the dog to the sofa, into the carpets, onto humans. Now, what I will say is they don't live on humans for very long, but they can live on other animals like dogs and cats for an incredible period of time. Uh, and breed and produce eggs and the whole cycle replicates itself. Fleas are really tricky to deal with a lot of the time and they're really, really distressing for our pets because they are super itchy and there's not very much they can do about it. And as time goes on, it's not like the problem ever solves itself. It just gets worse because the flea burden gets higher when they begin to multiply. And they do multiply. They really do multiply. I think what I would say is to avoid any problems with this, if your pet does have fleas, then visit your vet. You'll need... a an antiparasitic so a flea treatment to kill the fleas off but it's quite likely you might need some treatment from your home as well so there are sprays that we can use on let's say carpets around skirting boards all the warm comfy places they like to live in um, and that can help to be a solution to the problem hot washing all of the bedding or anywhere your pet likes to live as well can kill off the eggs um, I think long term prevention solution there are a number of things available so you can do a spot on a little spot on treatment they or are a fantastic and the yeah. spot ons are fantastic they're so easy exactly but the important thing is keeping up with it monthly or three monthly depending on what treatment you're using and your vet will be able to guide you with that Okay and Colette from Glenahola in Kilbert says I put antiseptic cream on my cat's paw before because he got burnt before for some reason uh, he burnt and blistered his tongue he ended up not being able to eat mm. for a few days I ended up at the vet I had to get his paw which was the original wound mm-hmm. and the tongue uh, sorted exactly. out so good advice okay mm-hmm. thanks for that Colette Jane thank you for that have a lovely week no and we'll chat again uh, next week that's Jane Pickett from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket it's part of the Mill Street Veterinary uh, Group uh, and that's where I leave you for today before we do just spotted no Maureen on uh, WhatsApp saying, uh, hi, uh, Trish, just got a call from a 094 number about my broadband. I asked them, was it a scam or a bogus call? Just like your listener had done earlier and just like your listener, he hung up immediately. So thank you for mentioning it. I put it in my mind when he uh, rang. Watch out for that number, folks. OK, that's where I leave you. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven C103. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. 
As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.